Podcast Answer Man, episode number 348. Entertaining, educational, and encouraging content that makes a difference. This is GSPN.TV. Join the community. Hey everybody, Mark Mason here from LateNightInternetMarketing.com. I've got two degrees in electrical engineering, and when I have a podcast question, I call Cliff Ravenscraft. He is the podcast answer man. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Podcast Answer Man. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft, and this, my friends, is the podcast devoted to taking your message, your business, and your life to the next level. That's right. It doesn't matter if you're brand new to this online content creating world or if you've been doing this stuff for many years. There's something we can all do to take everything we do in life to the next level. I'll tell you one of the things that I didn't do this week to take things to the next level was leave myself plenty of time to prepare for episode number 348 as far as show preparation goes. In fact, I am sitting here right now on Thursday, March 6th at 8.03 p.m., about 11 hours after I originally recorded this episode. And why am I re-recording the intro? Well, it's because I felt that this week's episode, if you guys have ever had one of these, I don't know if you have or not yet, but I've had a couple of these where, you know what, this is, have you ever recorded an episode where after you were done with it, you're thinking, of what value does that really offer to my community? I don't feel like I gave it adequate preparation. I don't feel like it actually has a ton of Um, value as far as what I typically like to deliver and it it, and by the way this all of those thoughts are for this episode I've actually had all of those thoughts and this episode it was actually is on the verge of being deleted and never released at the same time though I you know it's not like I didn't actually record and share something that was on my mind and I certainly did it's just not typically the kind of content that I would would typically share here. Um, some of the content is more like the content that I would record and produce for pursuing a balanced life. In fact, I actually recorded an episode of Pursuing a Balanced Life today. It's episode number 348. And if you actually do like this episode, uh, specifically related to stuff uh, about the house and things like that and I episode 300 and actually it's not 348. This is 348 episode number 572 over at pursuing a is more along the lines of, you know, and kind of in addition to what you've heard here, it just takes it on even further. But, you know, you can even hear my voice right now. I'm conflicted. Do I release this episode? Or do I delete it? I could I could easily take a week off, but at the same time, and I'm going to be transparent and authentic with you, part of the reason why I want to make sure there's an episode this week is because I want to promote podcasting A to Z. My next A to Z course is coming up on Monday, April 7th, uh, and it's in, you know my 16th podcasting A to Z session, and if you haven't heard about it, check out all the details over at podcastinga-to-z.com. I do want to play a tutorial, or a tutorial. I want to play a testimonial 
of Mitch Ackle, who has all kinds of wonderful things to say about his experience with podcasting A to Z. But then beyond that, I will just share with you two things. Number one, I by the way, I've I've actually edited this down quite a bit. But here's what I will tell you that you're going to get in this episode. There is a review of a service that I heard about called, oh, what is the name of it now? Fusebox. So I checked out Fusebox.com. Jeremy had told me about this program after uh, reviewing appear.in. And that could be of some value to you guys. And then the, the rest of the episode was more along the lines of just this rambling off the top of my head related to uh, the stuff going into my new house and where I am in this in this process and specifically talking about the studio as well. But it after I was done with it, it, it just seemed like a ramble fest, almost like this re-recording of the intro. So with that being said, if you're brand new to Podcast Answer Man, don't judge this show by this episode. I encourage you to check out some prior episodes, specifically episode number 344 is one of my favorite uh, episodes ever, but you know, check out some of the other episodes and you know, if you're not into the content for this week, don't give up on me. I'll be back next week and I will see if I can bring back my creative mojo again. <laughs> With that said, let me go ahead and play this uh, testimonial from Mitch Ackle, and as soon as the testimonial is finished, I'll just play a little transition clip, and then from that point forward, you'll have the rest of the recording that didn't get edited out of what I recorded earlier today. Anyway, thank you guys for hanging in there with me. I'll be back again next week with more preparation in hand, and I encourage you to take everything you guys do. Ah including show prep, to the next level. My name is Mitch Ackle. I'm a husband, father of three kids, ages two, four, and six, and I practice law in Houston, Texas. I'm also an alumnus of Cliff Ravenscraft's Podcasting A to Z course, and as a result, I'm a new podcaster hosting a show called Nine-Tenths of the Law. I want to share a quick closing jury argument why the four weeks I spent in Podcasting A to Z was not only an informative, fun, absolute blast, but also why the value of the class far exceeded the cost of attendance. When I first signed up for the course, I really didn't know what to expect, but soon I was blown away. The course was instructional, it was comprehensive, and most important, it's just plain fun. For anyone busy with work and family obligations who think they don't have time to take a four-week course, I'm here to tell you the course strikes the perfect balance between freedom and flexibility on one hand and personal accountability and motivation on the other. The course is set up so that you can easily study the materials on your own time within the framework of the four weeks. But Cliff students know that Cliff isn't in the business of selling a bunch of course materials to people to review whenever they want. That's not what the course is about, and it's not what Cliff is about. Cliff has a genuine interest in his students and truly wants each and every one of them to create an amazing sounding podcast that delivers quality content. And for four weeks, Cliff zealously dedicates his time, toil, and talent to that endeavor. Which leads me to the main point I want to make. In my personal opinion, what makes podcasting A to Z the go-to podcasting course and what makes Cliff Ravenscraft the go-to podcasting coach is not necessarily Cliff's encyclopedic knowledge of podcasting or the advanced techniques and skills that he imparts to his students. What makes this course worth every penny is that Cliff takes an authentic passion and joy for what he does and he mixes it with an outpouring of kindness and caring for the people he coaches. So not only are students learning from the best podcaster around, 
They are being mentored by a great guy who wants to see his students succeed. So please, if you're interested in podcasting, do yourself a huge favor. Don't go at it on your own. Take the podcasting A to Z course with the podcast answer man, Cliff Ravenscraft. Now let's go ahead and talk a little bit about a peer.ends competitor out there, or it's maybe that's not the right way to word it, but this other service called Fusebox. So if you go over to fusebox.com, there is a video on the page that will explain what their service is. And let me just go there. And I, I honestly, I believe fusebox.com is more of a competitor, competitor to go to meeting than it is a competitor to uh, appear.in. I think appear.in is, is very unique. I'm so glad that we talked about it last week. Uh, like I did, because it it, it meets a need. It, if For those who, I'll just quickly recap what appear.in is. It is a browser-based, no download required ability for you to uh, log on to a website and instantly click the allow button. It will automatically start sharing your HD video. It will automatically share, if you give them permission, share your microphone and you can be video conferencing with your friends as long as they're using a Chrome browser or I think a Firefox browser and I think even an Opera browser. As long as they're using one of those browsers, um, they you can be instantly, and that keyword instantly, without any downloads, video conferencing with up to eight people. And we talked all about that last week. Very impressive service for what it is in its early stages. And I'm excited about the future of it. But, you know, wanting to check things out, I, I did look into Fusebox. I'm going to click play on this video and uh, mute myself, and then I'll come back and share with you uh, a little bit of uh, what I thought about the service. So here's what they say about the service. The top three things that sold me on Fuse where it's reliability, it's amazing collaboration tools, and it's advanced technology. When we began to use Fuse, we set a whole new bar with our weekly all-hands meetings to the point where now that we've reached that standard, we have to uphold that standard. Fuse is the only application in the market today that allows users to collaborate in a single platform with multiple video conferences going at the same time in high definition. So we've got high quality video, we've got high quality content, and what we're really striving for is to bring that all together with high quality audio. I think the primary thing is the platform support. Being on Mac is paramount to us since we're mostly a Mac company, but also being on iOS and Android and even available in any browser anywhere. It's amazing, we've done some really out of the box things with Fuse, I think, just because it works on every platform. Another great feature is the collaboration. Uh, multiple people uh, talking at the same time, able to see each other at the same time. Once we started using Fuse, we were really able to focus on our jobs. Fuse made it a lot easier just to not even think about what applications we were using, what features we needed for a particular meeting, and just be able to move on and focus on the topics. Fuse was the only product I found that let me still offer the same service to my clients seamlessly from 2,000 miles away. All right, so there you go. That is Fusebox's video. And uh, by the way, some of those people are, you know, from Evernote, uh, Amazon, 
some big companies are using this. Now, here's the deal. All those things that they said, it's very true. You can do all of that. But I will say that you can do all of those things with GoToMeeting as well. And I do use GoToMeeting. The only thing that's different here, the or well, not the only thing that's different. The biggest thing that stands out to me that's different is the pricing between GoToMeeting and Fusebox. Fusebox is a lot less expensive. I mean, a lot less expensive than GoToMeeting. Let me just share with you a couple of, th- of notes that I made here. Uh, first of all, thank you to Jeremy. And Jeremy, I never, I don't know if I've ever actually asked you how to pronounce your last name, if it's if it's Shandanaz. Uh, but anyway, thank you, Jeremy, for pointing this out. Uh, the one thing I do want to uh, say is that this will allow you to have up to 12 HD video feeds. Now, in my test this morning, I did not test it out on having 12 people, but this is something they do advertise. Um, now, GoToMeeting will only allow you to have up to six HD videos at the same time. So that's uh, GoToMeeting. Uh, then there was a Peer.N, which will uh, uh, will allow you to have up to eight HD video feeds. And now with Fusebox, on their free version, you can do meetings and have up to 12 HD video feeds. And again, yes, you can do a lot of this stuff um, with, you know, go or what is that, uh, Google Hangouts and stuff like that. I'm still, still to this day, not a huge fan of Google Plus or anything related to it, and still not a huge fan of Google Hangouts. I think that they, they work as long as you really, you know, get into the back end and try to figure out how all that stuff works. Uh, but there are still some quirks to Google Hangouts, and it doesn't always work for everybody at the same way all the time. And it's just, it, it's I'm just not a fan of it. But uh, I love looking into these other opportunities for us to have these multiple HD video web conferencing function uh, functions available to us. Why? Why is this important? And and why does that fit into Podcast Answer Man? Uh, for two reasons. Number one, my target audience, if you're in my target audience, that means that you are a entrepreneur, small business owner, or uh, somebody that is in the leadership of an organization that has a message to get out into the world. So if you have a small organization, if you're an entrepreneur, and if you're a small business, or you're a small, small business owner, uh, then what that means is you probably could use this for meetings, you could do that. Use this for webinars, for training, all of those things. So that's very important in that way. But what if you're a podcaster who podcasts for uh, your favorite TV show, or what if you're podcasting about a, a hobby or something else? You're not a business person, and you don't need a service like this for business purposes. Well, it's still a great way for you to connect with several people within your community. By, you know, imagine this, 12 of your uh, followers from your community or 12 of your fans or 12 of your community members from your community coming together and uh, you and 11 other people just spending an hour or 90 minutes or even two hours together talking about some of your favorite things. It's a great way to build community and that's why I think this is cool. And I love the idea of services that give you more and more HD video feeds. Of course, Again, I'd love to figure out uh, if I had more time, get 12 people on there and see how it handles as far as the 
you know, the bandwidth and stuff like that. But I'm thinking that, you know, it's probably going to be a little bit better than than a peer.in, maybe because it's not as reliant, perhaps, on the peer-to-peer, you know, sharing of uh, direct connections and all that stuff. But, you know, I, again, I haven't looked into it enough to know. But still, allows up to H, uh, 12 HD video feeds. It is cross-platform. This is something that they said in their... In their uh, video there that did they they hit on it twice it is cross-platform available on any computer any browser now of course when i think about appear.in it's like okay you can't even use it in safari you can't use it in internet explorer those are two pretty darn popular browsers that appear.in does not work on however um the thing is though fusebox will allow you to have participants join via the web and in a browser but it doesn't allow you the functionality for those people to be anything more really than just a participant so for example i believe troy price was in my uh sample run of a a meeting this morning and he had to dial in by phone to be able to uh, access the audio of the call uh, and so that he could communicate with us, which, by the way, is a premium feature. Uh, voice over IP is included for free, but phone-in call is a premium feature. You just get it free for uh, either 30 to 60 days. But uh, anyway, for him to be able to dial dial in via voice over IP, he had to download the application. Again, that's, that is that big appeal for... Uh, appear.in, especially for those of us who aren't necessarily looking to do this for, you know, big business meetings or anything like that. Um, appear.in, you just send a link, say, hey, if you've got a Chrome or Safari or a Chrome or Firefox browser, click this link and let's talk. And you can put that on your social networks and boom, instantly those people are connected to you. It's pretty hassle free, which is awesome. Now with, uh, let's see here. Oh, by the way, the free version of Fusebox allows up to 25 participants. 12 of them can be in on video. Uh, I would imagine the other, the remaining of the 25 people could also be on via voice over IP and, and have, you know, be muted or unmuted, all that stuff. You do have the ability to mute people on your side, which is great. Uh, let's see here. So uh, let's see here. You can do that. Okay. Screen sharing is a part of the whole process here. So Appear.in allows you to do screen sharing, but you have to actually run some sort of code. You copy and paste, and it gives you instructions on what you can do to turn screen sharing ability on. Now, I have not done that inside of Appear.in, and if that's something you want to do, I will tell you this. I download, I had to, for me to launch a meeting, I had to download the software from Fusebox onto my OS X, and the version that I'm using is extremely buggy. Now, I want to pref, you know, I want to state this. Clearly, I'm brand new to the platform. Clearly, I'm not used to the user interface and so it's, you know, some of it's you know, there's there's one thing to be said for saying that something is not intuitive and not easy to find how do you do this? How do you do that? I mean, there was certainly a little bit of that, and I, I will give them full leeway for the fact that, gosh, if you just give yourself one or two or three test meetings or playing around with it, um, you'll be able to find out where everything is and how to do everything. 
And even though some of it may not be necessarily intuitive, it's all there and it can be done. And once you know it, it's it's not difficult to perform tasks whatsoever. So I'm not speaking out against their user interface at all. What I am talking about is the fact that my OSX version of the software is buggy as buggy can be. So I installed the software. I have a very, very great computer. Uh, a very, very great. I have a nice computer. I have a 27-inch iMac. It's not, it's not the newest one, but it's the one right before that. Lots of RAM, lots of memory. And uh, for whatever reason, I clicked to share my screen with the people that were on the... Uh, I wanted to share my desktop with the folks that were on the call and it just gives me an an error says note or something like that it says failed to launch screen share or something like that or failed to do this and it didn't give me any kind of suggestions of what to try it just says oh sorry yes we acknowledge that you just clicked the button to share your desktop and all we're telling you is that it failed to occur (laughs) that was it now, granted, I could maybe go and re- shut it down, restart the meeting and stuff like that. But let me tell you, this, this was not a case of me not knowing how to use the software. This, is absolute, this was absolutely a case of the software not doing what it was supposed to do. I clicked the screen share button. It did. And it said, yes, I see that you pressed the button, but it failed to work. Boom. Point blank, that was it. Now, I was able to actually upload documents and uh, upload videos, and I was able to share those with the participants. Um, However, when I was uploading a PDF document, for example, the drawing tools, the, the, you know, the pen and the highlighter and the, you know, all of that stuff, it was there with, with an image, but it wasn't there when I went to look at it with a PDF document. But it was supposed to be there, and if I hovered over to the right-hand side, I, I accidentally picked up the highlighter or whatever, but it didn't show the highlighter in the sidebar. Um, same thing was true with the zoom in and zoom out feature. Uh, there was absolutely no zoom in, no zoom out, no toolbar, nothing anywhere. However, the folks who were on the meeting with me, who were looking at the uh, Windows client, they said all of that was there. Now, of course, it was grayed out for them because they weren't the presenter, and I could have made them the presenter, but um, on the Mac side, it just was not showing at all. So it just it seemed to have quite a bit of quirkiness and bugginess and stuff like that. Um, but overall, the you know, if you wanted here, and here's the thing, I think Jeremy said what he uses this for is to connect with his mastermind. So his group of people that he gets together with, however often, uh, I, or, and they said that they just use this as a video conferencing to get together. And I think this could be a better alternative to Google Hangouts. I think, the vi- by the way, the video conferencing portion of this worked flawlessly. Uh, everybody who was on video had to have downloaded software that was required, unlike a peer.in, which you just need to pull up a browser, uh, a Firefox or Chrome browser, but uh, but the it was very good video. By the way, it was 16 by 9, which is a huge pet peeve of mine with a peer.in. I, I forgot to mention that last week, but uh, a peer.in, even though my camera is 16 by 9, it still squashed me into a 4 by 3 window. Um, but the video uh, conferencing of Fusebox is amazing, and when you look at their plans, you know, you're looking at, um, to do this, unlimited... Uh, let's see here. Uh, yeah, by the way, the dialing 
in by phone is free for 60 days. After that, you'd have to pay for that. Or you can force people to connect via a, a computer, uh, a microphone plugged into the computer, which is not a big problem. But for their free account, you can have 25 participants, 12 HD video feeds going at the same time, uh, unlimited voice over IP connection for audio, screen sharing, which did not work for me at all on my Mac, and content sharing, which did uh, work. And by the way, by content, it can be a JPEG, it could be an image, it could be a PDF, and it also could be video files. I was able to actually even share a video with them. So that was pretty cool. And it comes with one gigabytes of uh, cloud storage. So for a free service, I think this is great. Uh, there is an iPhone app, uh, an iOS app, I should say. And I installed the iOS app on my iPad mini and was able to use it there, which is pretty cool. Uh, there, I, I don't, I would imagine there's Android as well. I believe there is Android also. So yeah, for the free plan, that is amazing. And for the Fuse Pro, uh, it is $8 a month and it gives you unlimited free toll audio. Now, toll audio means it gives you a long distance number for them to call. So if you want to have the telephone ability for people to phone in at $8 a month, they have you have that ability. And meetings and webinars are for up to 125 participants instead of 25. That could be great for webinars. The only thing is, is I'm a little bit concerned about using software that doesn't allow the screen share to happen when it's supposed to happen. Even if it only freaks out on you every now and then, um, you know, I I don't know about relying on a service that doesn't work more than that. Anyway, and then then they actually have uh, $40 audio credit, optional $40 audio credit. They've got some details here, which is basically toll-free number and some international numbers and stuff like that. And then they have Fuse Pro Features Plus. You can read about it. Anyway, Fuse Free, Fusebox.com. That's my review of it. Um, I think it's pretty cool. And I'll keep it around and play around with it a little bit more. And I hope that they do a little bit further development on the iOS, or I'm sorry, the Mac OS version of the software. But uh, yeah, very cool. Thank you, Jeremy, for letting me know about Fusebox and Fusebox.com. And again, uh, as far as a quick and easy way for you to do video conferencing with up to eight people, I still really like Appear.in. And uh, I, I realize now here's the deal. I'm a business and I make a great deal of income from the things that I do with my group coaching calls that I do in my podcasting A to Z course. Uh, there are webinars that I do from time to time. There, there are a lot of things that I do with GoToMeeting that make the cost and expense of using GoToMeeting a worthwhile expense. It's an investment into allowing me to do the businesses and the online conferencing that I do in my business. However, GoToMeeting slash GoToWebinar is not an inexpensive service. I think you get what you pay for, though. You do get reliability. That is, in, in my opinion, I like it even much more than WebEx. And by the way, uh, I will say that Appearant, uh, I'm sorry, Fusebox, going back to that, you do um, get some ability to record the session, which I didn't play around with that at all, but you can play around with that and see if you like that. I record everything with ScreenFlow on my computer and, and kind of do it that way. But anyway, 
yeah, I, I, I like GoToMeeting, but uh, if you're looking for a less expensive alternative, you can try out Fusebox. I hope that helps. All right, uh, let's see here. The next thing I wanted to share with you guys is uh, just some thoughts about building a new house and studio. And here's here's the deal. The house that I live in today with my family is a house that we built, gosh, 11 years ago, 10 years ago, 11 years ago, something like that. I think it, I, I can't remember. But anyway, one of the things that I will tell you is the house that we live in today is in our area. I know that housing prices are different all over the world, but it, I think when we purchased it, we purchased it right at around 140000 maybe 136000 uh, for the home. And, and it's a split-level home, or in our area, we call it a bi-level. It's where when you enter the house, um, you're not on the, you either go up to the to the main level, or you go down to what would can maybe be considered your basement. But there's a lower level, and there's an upper level and you enter in the door into a foyer that has two st- sets of stairs. You can go downstairs or upstairs. And the house that we live in now, the square footage is about 1,200 square feet. And when we moved into the house that we live in today, we could not really afford this house. Um, well, I guess that's not completely true. It wasn't a wise decision. However, it was not a wise decision to buy this house. And for those of you who are Dave Ramsey fans, and as as I am, I, now, of course, I, I think there's still a lot for me to, to do to get beyond a couple of the ba- baby steps that I've worked on in his plan. We got debt, we know, we did the, we did the $1,000 emergency fund, then we did the debt snowball and completed that, minus our mortgage, uh, and then we set up our... Um, emergency, you know, the big time emergency fund, uh, three to six months, I think of expenses is what he says, but now we've got actually six months of income. Uh, instead we, we, we made sure to, to overestimate our, our emergency fund. And, uh, that's pretty much where I, I left off on the Dave Ramsey plan. So I still got a lot to do there, but here's the deal. Before we moved in, I had pretty much just become aware of who Dave Ramsey was, I was following his stuff and was reading his book and there was a there was a live event that was coming to Louisville, Kentucky and I knew that I wanted to get serious about our debt issues. And and I mean this was a very big issue for us. Uh we we had allowed ourselves to get into a lot of debt. It was close to like 80,000 worth 80,000 worth of debt. And we're talking about unsecured debt. We're talking about debt that you know, some of it was student loan, but then there was some of it that was a bunch of cars that I had been upside down on, and and then I consolidated and did personal loans. It, it was ridiculous, my friends. Uh, and of course, there was a lot of credit card debt as well. So I, I was reading up on Dave Ramsey, and and you know, I'm, I'm at the time I was still I was actually already working in insurance. And I was at a place in my insurance career where things were starting to take off. Uh, you know, I had added a couple extra licenses. You know, I, I would had always been uh, licensed for, well, I had been licensed already for several years as a property and casualty agent, which allows you to sell auto, home, and commercial insurance. And then I added my life and health license, which allowed me to sell, of course, life insurance and health insurance. 
And once I started adding life and health insurance, my income started to increase quite a bit, but we were still living paycheck to paycheck at the time. And I was one of those people who took advantage of, you know, what was going on in the housing market. Well, I didn't take advantage of it in a bad way, but I will tell you that the house that we live live in today, when we bought this house, we bought it with zero money down. So zero down payment. And also we had zero closing costs. Well, that's not true. We did have closing costs. So how did we do this? The <laughs> same way everybody else did, I think, back at the time. Not, I mean, everybody else who did this and and <clears throat> caused the big, huge problem that we had in the real estate crash. But anyway, for us, we borrowed 103% of the value of our home. I have no idea how they, how they did it and stuff like that, but they were able to get us a special loan where we were able to build or borrow not only 100% of the cost of the home, but we were able to get an extra 3% in our loan, built into our loan to actually cover all the closing costs. So we literally built this house uh, from the ground up and did not pay a single penny until we moved in and paid our first mortgage payment. Now, as a result of that, our mortgage was, you know, it's it was high. And, and at the time, you know, we were able to pay it, but it was... It was an unhealthy percentage of our of my income at the of, at the time. Basically, the first two years of or the first year that we lived here, it was uh, more along this lines of um, you know we I'd get paid you know of course I got paid every week but I would hold my paychecks for once a month uh, and then I would deposit them and I would pay our mortgage I'd pay our credit card bills. And we would divvy out some money for gas and grocery. We paid the utilities and there was literally nothing left over. And the amount, you would laugh. You would literally laugh if you saw how much money that we had to go to the grocery for the month. We could, we were house poor, but we still made this crazy decision to move into the house that we are in. So why do I share that? A couple of different reasons. One is to tell you that you know getting out of debt is a very good idea. But the other thing is, is to say that the house that we live in, it, it, when we purchased this house, it was just a it was just a, a lot. And matter of fact, it was somewhat of a wooded lot, and uh, in, at least back in the backyard, and it was. Um, you know, something that we had the opportunity to work with the builder to actually build this house. We built the house that we live in now. Now, we could not afford any types of upgrades. So, you know, when we went to selections and they said, okay, so you want this, 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 this. And I'm like, okay, what, what, when we looked and we signed the contract, what was included? Well, this carpet's included. Well, that's the carpet we wanted. Okay, you know what kind? You know what do you want to do in the bathroom? Do you want to do this? And it's like, what was included? He's like, okay, we want that linoleum. Uh, what about your cabinets? Do you want to? Uh, you know, there's this cabinet, this cabinet, this cabinet. What's included? These cabinets. Those are the cabinets we want. I, I think you get the idea. We we did not customize or do anything special to this house whatsoever. We literally just went with the bare minimums minimums but we still had we did still go through the process of seeing the house being built i mean we did pick out the color of the brick and 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 stuff like that 
Uh, but we didn't really get to pick out anything else. I, it, well, it's not that we didn't get to. We just didn't choose to because we did, couldn't afford anything more than what was, you know, standard or included. So, you know, and, and because there wasn't a whole lot of things that we could change, there wasn't a lot of options, if you will, that we had made available to ourselves. It wasn't very stressful. Uh, the only thing, the, the biggest stress was that uh, we saw a house right next door to ours being built and we saw them putting brick up. And, and I'm not going to say who it was because I don't want it, to, it doesn't matter. But we saw a team of people bricking the front of the house next to us. And it was the sloppiest brickwork I've ever seen. In fact, their brick still looks like that today and it looks absolutely horrible. Um, and I went to the the foreman, I guess is what you would call him. And I made good friends with him. I, I actually found out that he had some issues with his computer at the time. I offered to come out and help him get some viruses off of his wife's Windows PC. Uh, and I did that. I was able to save their data. He was extremely happy. And he says, is there anything I can do for you? And I said, yes. You, you're, my brick, I think you said, is scheduled for two weeks from now. Do me a favor. Don't let the people who put the brick on the house next to me put the brick on my house. And he's like, why? And I said, it's just sloppy. Well, he sit there and he says, well, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll, I'll make sure that your brick is not like that at all. And so they had, um, my, he says, it, it, it's going to hold off your, he said, it'll hold your whole house back, your closing back by a week. And I said, no problem at all. Well, uh, a week later than scheduled, he had a completely, entirely different crew bricking the front of our home. And this crew, you, you should have saw them. They put on one brick at a time. Uh, of course, everybody puts on one brick at a time, right? But they would put one brick on and and they would, you know, put the concrete on. And then they would literally go through with a, with a rag and clean and, and do like, a, like wipe all excess concrete from each brick. And they, the mortar joints are not as far apart and as thick as what is on the house next to us. And they're all clean, perfect, straight lines. It's like it was an OCD person's uh, dream come true. And so that that was the biggest stress that I had building the house that I have. And it was the one thing that I had that 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 is custom about, you know, the the fact that, you know, our house is it's a decent home. I mean, it, it for what we got, it was it's it's a great home. We have an awesome backyard and we have the best brick work in our neighborhood. And I'm very happy about that. So, you know, fast forward, you know, uh, we eventually became 100% debt free. We got super serious about our debt snowball. And my income from my insurance, I got super serious about my, uh, you know, taking my career and sales to the next level there. And as a result of that, I became uh, debt free and I got to the place where, you know, eventually the, our mortgage was right. A, even, our mortgage print payment, by the way, had not changed. But all of a sudden, because my income had increased, the percentage of my income that went towards a house payment certainly became more in line with the kind of uh, percentages that most financial people would you know, tell you to have. So we were no longer house poor. Until, until a couple years after, actually, I think it was about a year, 
of being debt free, uh, I was able to make a decision, a crazy decision after podcasting for two years as a hobby. I was able to uh, leave my career in insurance and pursue podcasting full time. I didn't know exactly how that was all going to work out, but I had some ideas and I knew that it's what I felt called to do with my life. And by golly, I was not going to accept failure as an option. And by the way, if that was not my attitude, I would have and should have quit in in the middle of 2008. Because, yes, I know many of you know this story. There's a lot of you, however, who are relatively new to Podcast Answer Man and you don't know this about me. And by the way, I encourage you to go to my about page. Go to podcastanswerman.com slash about and at the bottom of the page, there's a video that says um, our, you know, our story of how we got into podcasting. I encourage you to watch that video. It's a talk that I gave that shares my story of how I got into podcasting from 2005 all the way up through when that was recorded, which I think was 2010 or 2011. And it will tell you just how difficult things had gotten for us financially even though we were debt-free, and the only thing that we had as far as a required payment was our mortgage and our utilities. Um, That first year of me running this business was intense. It was stressful to, to no end, but at the same time, I was able to get through all of that through the awesome support of my awesome wife, but also through the reality of the fact that I was doing something that gave a lot of purpose and fulfillment in my life. And Stephanie felt a lot of that as well. And even though it was the most, even, and I say this, it was the most difficult time financially in our life. And I'm talking about it. This was 2008, the first year of running this business, was more difficult than all those years when we were in debt to our eyeballs, all right. It was it was it was even worse than that. Um, but yeah, so 2008 wasn't very easy. Um, thankfully, though, we had a pension from when I was in insurance, uh, and you know made some decisions there. You can find out a little bit more about that. And I, matter of fact, I'm just going to say at this point, if you want more information about those that early portion of our business and and the kind of stuff we went through. I really encourage you to, to watch that video, podcastanswerman.com slash about. But fast forward a couple years, things started to you know slowly uh, get better for the business. 2009 got better. 2010 was even better. Uh, 2010 w- w- almost got me to the place where, wow, I'm almost making as much money pursuing podcasting full-time uh, or at least pursuing this business full-time, not just podcasting, you know, the creating content. But, uh, you know, I, I got to the place where, you know, I, I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm making about as much money in 2010. And certainly in 2011, I made as much money uh, in 2011 as I made in insurance. In 2012, things got even better. Uh, 2013 was just, it, was, it blew my mind. If you want to see that information, you can go to podcastanswerman.com slash income. It's all listed there, the actual real life numbers business income, and also personal income numbers very much laid out at podcastanswerman.com slash income. And again, I, and you'll read this if you go to that page. It, it's not to show off, you know, hey, hey, look at what I've done. It's it's more to inspire you of, of the story. And that's why I encourage you to watch the video first 
at podcastanswerman.com slash about. But um, so fast forward to where we are today, building a very nice house, uh, building a house, you know, and, and, uh, and as we were getting ready to build a, house, build a house, everybody's like, Cliff, you know, wow, it's so stressful, but man, it's a great time. And, you know, but man, it's so much stress. And, you know, I, you're going to be able to handle all these goals that you have for 2014 and and deal with the stress of building the house. And it's like, you know, I've built a new house before and I'm just not sure what they mean by the stress. And they're talking about, you know, well, all the upgrades. And I'm like, well, I get that. But one of the cool things about, you know, being where we are right now financially is we had pretty much made it made all the upgrades <laughs> that we thought we could make um, in the actual sales process. You know, we, we actually said, you know, we want this upgraded, we want that upgraded, we want this upgraded. You know, there's no linoleum, it's all stone or hardwood or a really nice carpet, uh, you know, and all, I mean, we just, we just, on the actual purchase agreement, we had upgraded everything ahead of time. So when we did go into selections, uh, the person who did our selections, she's like, you know, it's like, she goes, okay, so here's your options and cabinets. And it's like, oh, wait, I see you've already picked out your upgraded cabinets. So you've already upgraded. And, and that happened a lot in, in our conversations. Now, with that being said, I'm thinking, okay, so this isn't nearly going to be nearly as stressful as what everybody led on to be. But then all of a sudden, I forgot about one thing that I was allowed to do. In the house that we're, allowed, that we're in now, one of the things that they allowed me to do was to run my own Cat5 cabling or my own Ethernet cabling. And I did that, and I and I I remember that now, and I remember even uh, running some wiring for a home theater system in my basement, and doing that kind of uh, work myself. And I remember enjoying the fact that I had the opportunity to do that. And then all of a sudden, I started thinking about the house that we're in now, and they said you can run your own Ethernet. We they said we can run cable coax cable for you, but um, we do not run Ethernet. And I'm like, okay. And then she goes, but you can, you know, we can give you a day or two to come in. You can run that yourself. So that is one of the things that I've been like obsessing about. It's like, okay, I want to actually have this space in my, uh, one of the closets down in the basement. Uh, there, I'm going to create a central hub for all the wiring in the house. So I'm going to do coax and cat five from each of these rooms. And I'm going to run them all into this one box that I will have in a utility room down in the basement and then all of a sudden I'm thinking okay well I'm going to be able to I'm going to need to run sometimes there are are some of those systems like Dish Network they need two different lines so I'm actually going to have to run two lines to that one run it in here and then I think okay I'm going to need to run a certain number of lines from the actual uh, this control hub if you will out to the exterior of the house. And I'm thinking, how do I actually, where do I draw, drill the hole to put it outside? And so there's little stresses like this and that. And of course, in the new house, I'll have Dish Network, which will be, uh, Dish Network will be my, uh, our, our quote unquote cable provider, if you will, or our, our t- television provider. So that's gonna require up to, I think, three uh, different lines coming in from the exterior into that room. Then we will have, uh, it, well, I guess it's going to be Comcast now if it goes through, but it's Time Warner currently. Time Warner will actually have cable internet access coming in from outside into that room. And then also we're going to do fiber internet from Cincinnati Bell 
And that's going to go from the outside into the room. So I'm sitting here trying to figure out how many lines do I run? And also, you know, if I'm running all these things, where do I, where do I plug all this stuff out and trying to get help in that area? Anyway, trying to find the right people and get the right answers. It, it's, it's been a little bit of a stress on, on top of all those things. Then, you know, I hear, you know, we get into the house and, you know, we got to, I personally got to plan out the entire basement of the home. And by the way, the basement of our home is the same square footage of the home that we're living now. So basically we could take every room that is living square footage in our home that we're in right now and we could lay it all out in our basement of the new house. That's how big the basement is. And the cool thing is that the basement was completely unfinished uh, as, you know, as, as, um, as, as a market home, if you will, if they were to build it themselves and, and sell it. But they offer the ability for you to do a finished basement. And it's actually pretty inexpensive to have them do it compared to having somebody, a contractor coming in afterwards. The problem is, is having all of this open space and deciding what to put where. And that was a very stressful thing. And then finally I figured out, okay, this will work, this will work, this will work. And the problem was is that, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here dealing with aspects and ratios and, and angles that I had not actually envisioned before. Uh, for example, in the, mar- in the model home, which is a duplicate of our home, uh, they do not have this bonus room that we added on, a 14 foot by 14 foot bonus room. So there was no way for me to envision what it might look like to walk into that room or to see that extra space in my studio uh, space downstairs. And once I saw it, and then all of a sudden I realized, oh man, I put that closet over there, and it's a four-foot closet, it takes up the entire wall. Yes, I, I can totally see all the ways that I will use that, I know why I chose that, but man, I'd really love to reclaim that 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 square footage in this room. I want to make this room as open and as big as possible, because one of the things that I want to do is I want to have classes. I want to actually have live events in my studio space. I want to have, you know, 20 people or 10 people or maybe 15 or 20, 30. I don't know. I'd love to be able to have the uh, the option to teach people classes in my house. I love to teach. I love to have people come out and do those things. Um, and uh, so I'm sitting here thinking, it's like, am I going to do this? Am I not going to do this? When do I do this? Uh, and, and uh, you know, I'm always already, you know, being confronted with, okay, Wait a second. What about this fireplace? And this fireplace that they have, I was, you know, I was kind of okay with it. Stephanie wanted it. I, I thought it we could do without it. It's kind of cheesy looking. And then this is how my brain is working. I'm sitting there thinking about what do I do with the basement and the studio? Did I make a mistake by taking away, you know, creating this four foot by four by fourteen foot, four foot by fourteen foot um, closet in in my studio? Uh, and then all of a sudden I'm thinking, oh, but what about the fireplace? I saw a great fireplace that Connie and Sheila put on Facebook in a renovation that they were doing and how they designed that that uh, fireplace. And then all of a sudden I find myself spending two or three hours researching different ways fireplaces look and going to uh, a Carrie, who is our, 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 our salesperson for the house, and going to her and emailing and say, hey, here's a picture that I found on the internet. Is it possible? I don't, I, we never thought to ask this, but is it possible to do a fireplace like this? 
And it was completely different than the really plain, sort of ugly fireplace that we were actually going to get. It was something that Stephanie really wanted the fireplace. And we all, we didn't even ask to see what other options they had. It was just like, yeah, I guess we could go with that. And Stephanie was really excited about having a fireplace. I was just not happy about the way it was going to look. And so when I emailed Carrie and said, Carrie, is this possible? And she goes, yeah, but it'd be, you know, another 1500 And I'm like, I'll tell you what, do it. I definitely want my fireplace to look like this. And so I got really excited about the fact that my fireplace is, is going to look the way that will be, number one, give Stephanie what she wants. And number two, it's going to look really nice and not as cheesy as what they have in their model home. And then all of a sudden, uh, we, of course, we went to go get our lighting. And even though we have had pretty much upgraded everything, uh, the the lighting allowance was not nearly enough for what we wanted as far as lighting in the house. And so we actually went $2,500 over on our lighting budget. So that's an extra, you know, $1,500 for the, for the um, fireplace. It was another $2,500 for the for the lighting. And then all of a sudden I'm thinking, okay, I got to get back down to this. What am I going to do? I, I, and then I decided I'm going to leave the big giant closet. I'm going to leave the big giant closet. And I, then all of a sudden I'm like, yeah, I'm going to leave it. And so I, 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 I decide I'm going to forget about it. Then I get a call from Carrie and says the heating guy wants to know if he can move the heater in a different location than what we agreed upon in your original plan. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, is if he if he wants to move it out into my space to where it's gonna bump the wall out a little bit further into my space and reduce the square footage, I just don't know how I'm gonna feel about that. I had to wait until our schedules all met up, went out and met the heating guy. The good news is that he just wanted to move it further down, which actually reduced the size of one of the closets in my studio space. Not the big gigantic closet, but just one of a different one. And, um, and it wasn't that big of a deal. And then, but, but one of the things that it did is it put kind of an ugly situation in my hallway. Um, you would come, normally you would come down the steps and you would be in a pretty nice sized hallway and there would be this area where there could be a table with some nice things on it. Uh, maybe a lamp or something like that. I had already envisioned kind of what that space would look like. Uh, and then there would be to the left of the table would be the door to my office well, the way that they were going to do this, it was going to have a door to my office, and then right next to that was going to be the door to the furnace room. And I did not like this idea of the door to the furnace room. So I came home and spent about three hours in Photoshop trying to rework how it works and got interrupted three different times, had to run and do dance stuff with the girls, had to go out to dinner with the family, and I finally come back and I'm finishing all of this stuff, and I completely redrew how I wanted the hallway to look and and actually reduced the the size of the hallway but got rid of the door with an angled wall and it's going to look really nice now and the actual furnace room is going to be accessible through a closet that's accessible through the workout room (laughs) It, it makes a lot of sense if you actually see the drawings and everything and as I was making that plan I'm like okay I've been thinking about this thinking about this and I was going to deal with what I had come up with but I said Carrie this is what I'd like to do with the walls in the in the hallway and I don't want two doors in the hallway one for the office and then one right next door for the furnace room and and so she she, and I said and also by the way please pay special attention I took out the closet 
at the end of my studio space, the big four by 14 and a half foot uh, closet. I, I want that gone. Uh, I just I want to reclaim that space. And she she goes, OK, we can do this. And she came back and she goes, OK, to make these changes, it's going to cost five hundred dollars. And that, that makes a lot of sense because they had already framed up a ton of that stuff. So I actually have to knock it down and rebuild some of it, some of the framing. And then she comes back and says, well, this, you know, this tankless water heater is already on the wall and we can't go flush. If we do, it does this, this and this. And she goes, here's another one going back and forth. But anyway, finally, I believe I have the studio now exactly where I want it. And now I'm working on alarm system, you know, getting the alarm people set up to come out the same day that I do wiring, trying to get somebody to help me figure out how do I run this big hole with, you know, uh, probably like seven coax cables going from the outside of my house into the control room so that it can feed all the different stuff coming into the house out through the different areas of my home. My friends, it is it is a lot of stress. It's a lot of stress, but it's it's fun at the same time in a in a in a way, and it's kind of cool that I freed up my March to kind of have uh, these things. Now, some of you know that I was looking at different things that I could do with my studio space in um, my studio space as far as uh, creating like a, a late night internet talk show kind of studio setup and that is still very much a a huge dream in my mind I have no idea how that's going to look and I really don't have the actual I so far all of my energy and attention has been on the actual layout the physical layout of the rooms that were that we've been working with here and now you know now that's it is all pretty much set I, there might be a little bit of back and forth with Carrie on on s- small details about you know putting you know the putting drywall inside the closet uh, where the furnace room is and and things like that. But um, we we're definitely pretty much finalized uh, on the actual physical shape of what the studio space will be. But I've decided that I'm gonna have to wait until really the drywalls up. Uh, and get in there when the drywall is up and actually feel the presence of the room to really start getting an idea of where I'm going to put what furniture and 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 set things up. And I have to actually, one of the things that I have to do is I've been thinking, okay, where are all the plug outlets going? Where are the ethernet and, and cable you know plugs going in each of the rooms and all of that stuff? So really, if you wonder why haven't I done more to prepare for this episode of Podcast Answer Man, it's because I have been so preoccupied with the with all of these little minute, tiny details with the, the building of our new house and the new studio space. And at this point, I don't even know what the studio is going to look like when it's done other than the actual just physical shape of it. <laughs> and so that's where I'm at today. And by the way, um, I did decide to go um, with cat 5e um cabling uh instead of cat 6 and it wasn't because of the cost i mean cat 6 cabling is a little bit more expensive but it wasn't that it was more along the lines of finding the cat 6 termination points uh for for some of these things and um the one thing that i learned about cat 6 cable is that it does offer much faster transfer rates 
but that's really not gonna. It's the cabling in the in the studio isn't going to be transferring files from one computer over to another or anything like that. The Cat Five or the Ethernet cabling is going to be pretty much sharing internet access from downstairs all the way up to upstairs, for example. That that's really all it's going to be. I mean, I might hardwire Stephanie to Skype in her in her office upstairs. So not that big of a deal. So I did decide I've got a thousand foot of Cat5 Ethernet cable sitting behind me. I have um, I have uh, 500 feet of speaker wire sitting behind me. And today, out I sh- it's probably here by now. Uh, I will have another thousand feet of coax cable that will be delivered to the house. But anyway, that's kind of been what I've been working on. Of course, I got two minutes left, and I will say that uh, as far as margin in my life, I've freed up a ton of time to have all of this, you know, time to work on projects that have been sitting around forever and not done. And and I have had some great meetings with people to help me with some stuff. I want to say a great, a big, huge thank you to my friend Ray Edwards. I have some great ideas on how to take my equipment sales page to the next level over at podcastanswerman.com slash equipment. And, you know, of course, I've just kind of been... You know, dealing with a little bit of, you know, there's just enough of these little things with the project of the house that have broken up those those days where I'm supposed to have uninterrupted blocks of time to work on big projects. And there have been a couple times where I actually did have a big uninterrupted block of time, but I was just so wore out from all of the other things that I just like, I don't want to do it right now. And so I got bored and I'm like, ah, you know what? I just, I'm just going to relax. I've got some, I've got some free time here. I'm just going to relax. And, and by the way, and I feel, I don't feel guilty for it because I worked my rear end off in April. You know, not only did I have podcasting A to Z, but I also had all of the work to shut down two major commitments in my life. So I am where I am. And, uh, that's kind of been what's been going on in my life and in my business and in my mind as a result of pursuing the work that I love, the dreams that I have, and my desires for the future. Hey, real quick, thank you to recordlegacy.com and pursuitofrighteousness.com. Those folks used my Bluehost affiliate link to sign up for their hosting account. Thank you so much. God bless you all. And I will be back again next week and hopefully we'll have prepared some great content for you. Until next time, take everything you do to the next level. Helping you to get the deal.